Hey, Kensington, welcome to the first week in our new series, Toolbox. And what better way to start off this new series than with a dad joke? So, what do you call it when Dwayne Johnson buys a cutting tool? Rock, pay for scissors. Sorry, yeah, that was pretty gut-wrenching. All right, so we all have a toolbox at our disposal. One that may just start out with a simple hammer and nails, but then it grows and grows over time. And these tools are meant to be shared with those around us. I'm Charlotte Kelly, Kensington Orient Discipleship Director. And if you're checking us out for the first time or you're relatively new, welcome. We would love for you to introduce yourself by just texting hello to 248-781-2771. And you can also learn more about who we are at Kensington Church or by downloading the Kensington Church app. And if you haven't yet, stay connected with us 24-7 on all of our social media channels. Now, whether you're new or you've been around for a little while, I'm really excited to share with you that we're about to kick off our fall virtual Alpha courses this month. If you haven't heard, Alpha is a multi-week course and it creates a space where people come and discuss life's big questions. So every week, a talk will feature one big life question around the Christian faith and Alpha's designed to facilitate safe and open conversation. Alpha's worldwide, and there's no topic that's off limits. And many people in our community have already experienced the Alpha course, like Jennifer Jackson. I decided to jump in with the Troy campus and uh, register to do it online. We all had a lot of questions that we just wanted a safe place to be able to discuss them. And um, having that opportunity was just something that I think really helped each of us grow. I would just encourage anyone to jump on. Um, it's a little intimidating at first being on the Zoom, and um, it just really gave me an opportunity to have questions answered um, and, and not be frowned upon for asking them. If anything you just heard sparked any interest, don't delay. It's the perfect time to jump into an Alpha group. Just simply visit us at kensingtonchurch.org alpha. We're so glad you decided to join us today, whether you're at one of our campuses or you're at home watching the stream. Let's open our hearts and minds to see what God has in store for us today. Good morning, everybody. That's kind of weak. How we doing? Good, good, good. Hey, we like she just said in this video, Alpha's kicking off, but it's one of many groups that are getting ready to kick off. So after service, I want to invite you to some of the tables that we have out in the lobby that will give you an idea of how you can connect in the season and this time here at Kensington with a lot of groups that are kicking off. But before that, I want to invite you all to stand because we're going to sing together. Y'all going to sing with me? Y'all not going to watch me. You're going to sing with me, right? All right, here we go. Let's sing together. You're a man of your word. All things are possible when we believe old chains are breakable. When we receive Yahweh, you keep your promises. If you said it, believe it. If you said it, if you said it, we believe it.
situation. We're going to sing another song this morning called Promises. It's a new song, but uh, it's one that really speaks to my heart. There is a line in the verse that says, your history can prove that there's nothing you can't do. And I think if we just take a moment just to look back at our history and we see where God was in every step of it, we can look forward into our future and say, God, I know you will be there too. I know that you go before me and I can put my faith, my hope, and my confidence in the fact that if you did it before, you can do it again. That's good news. So I've seen this one out. Faithful through the ages. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant faithful promises time and time again you have proven you do just what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting sun, praise your name. 
Though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same, Lord. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do.
a great way to open up this morning. You guys can all have a seat. And that song that Alina just sang at the end, that hymn, it just took me back to my childhood because that's a song that we would sing, at least in the church that I grew up with, over and over and over again. That all I have needed, your hand has provided. And those aren't just words to a song, but it is truth. And that just as God has always provided throughout history from the very beginning to even today that he will continue to provide that no matter what we have gone through. Maybe this week was just a rough week at work. Maybe it was a rough week at home trying to figure out how to do this whole homeschooling and online learning stuff. But whatever it is that we know that God is faithful in, that, in the midst of it, that he has given us, he's with us and he has given us everything and will give us everything that we need. All the tools, the ability, the heart, everything. And that's what we're gonna be talking about in this series called Toolbox that we are kicking off today. And so as we continue on, would you join me in prayer? And so God, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that even when our life is falling apart and we feel like we have nothing to hold on to, that you are there and that we can hold on to you. Thank you that you are steadfast, you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, Lord, and we can always lean into you. And so no matter what we are facing today, Lord, and I know that for the people in this room, for the people on stream, Lord, that there are huge challenges that so many of us are facing. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to lean into you in a greater way today. And so we thank you, Lord. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Can we give these guys a hand as they leave? And as, we're, as I mentioned, we're kicking off a brand new series today. And as I was thinking about this series, I was reminded of a man named Rob Keeney. And he is somebody who back in April started a YouTube channel called Dad, How Do I? Has anyone heard of this guy? Anyone seen any of his videos? Okay, nobody has. Okay, great. Oh, one person has. And so the reason why he started his uh, YouTube channel was because he wanted to pass along dad vice, as he calls it, to people like him people who grew up without a father figure. And what he does on his channel is that he basically, is just, uh, basically shows people how to fix different things, among other things. And the thing was, was that it really much intertwi it intertwines with his story. Because for Rob, at, when he was a very young child, his parents divorced and his father received custody of all the children. But when he was 14, his dad announced that he was done being a dad, that he didn't want to have any children anymore, and he basically got up and left. And luckily for Rob, his older brother took him in and raised him, but he didn't have a dad to show him, to teach him the things that dads normally teach their children to do. And when he started his channel, he thought, you know what, maybe 20 or 30 people might watch his videos, like family and friends. But five months later, he has more than two and a half million followers. And when you actually look at the comment section of his videos, it's beautiful to see how people have connected with him and how he has become a father figure to so many, not just in this country, but really all around the world. And he's actually called the Internet Dad or the Mr. Rogers for adults. But at the same time, when you read these comments, people have also shared their stories. Stories are absolutely heartbreaking. And this is what one person wrote. This person wrote, listening to you makes me wish you were my dad. The one in my life doesn't want anything to do with me. You're precious, dad. Another person wrote, I lost my dad when I was five years old, and now I'm 14. Thanks to your videos, I can do all the things that my dad wasn't able to teach me, like shave my tiny little beard. 
Remember, he's 14. But the thing is, is that I've been, in the last couple of months, I've been watching his videos as well. And like so many of his followers, I grew up without a father as well. And so I didn't have someone in my life to teach me a lot of these skills. And that if you want to think of my life as a tool belt, I didn't have many tools. But as I've watched his videos, he's taught me how to do a lot of different things. He's given me a lot of tools, right? One of the things that he taught me to do, which I didn't know how to do, was to put up a shelf properly. And so he's given me the ability to do that. He's also shown me what the purpose of this thing is. Does anyone know what this is called? Yell it out. Channel lock, a lot of you guys do. A year ago, my father-in-law bought me this thing and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? So for the past year, I've basically been just like playing around with it like this and so have my kids. But watching his video, I realized that one of the purposes of this channel lock is to unclog a sink drain. Learned how to do that on watching his videos. I also learned how to properly use a stud finder. And you may think, how could you not know how to use that? It's actually, there are actually some tricks to it, which he actually showed me. And so how you use a stud finder is you put it along a wall and then you just move it around. And then when it finds a stud, it beeps. <laughs> Guess it found one. Thank you, thank you very much. I aim to please. Thank you for laughing at my jokes. I appreciate all of you even more. But the thing is, is that as I've watched his videos, he's given me tools. And the thing, when we think about a tool belt, and when we think about tools in our relationship with Jesus, when we begin to follow him, we may feel like we don't have many tools in our tool belt. But as you continue along on this journey, Jesus gives us not only the tools that we need, but the tools that we have, he helps us to properly understand how to use them. And as we continue along with Jesus, continue following him, we begin to accumulate more and more tools. And eventually we come to discover that we not only have a full tool belt, but we also have a full tool box. And as I mentioned, Toolbox is the title of the new series that we are kicking off today. And in this series, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about the different tools that we need in our journey with Jesus. And so today, we're going to kick off the series by looking at three different tools. And so these are the three images that I want all of us to keep in mind. And the first is that of a net, the second is a flashlight, and the third is a funnel. A net, a flashlight, and a funnel. And you might be thinking, what in the world do these three things have to do with each other? And we are going to find out together by looking at a story in the New Testament book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be looking at a story that happened pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. And let me also say that my understanding, this is an incredible story, and my understanding of this story, a lot of it came from a pastor down south in Atlanta named Andy Stanley, so I'm very much indebted to him. But this is what Luke writes about, and this is how he introduces the story. He says that one day, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth, and the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And so not surprisingly, Jesus once again was teaching people. And whenever Jesus would speak, whenever he would teach, people would flock to him. Because people had never heard anyone like Jesus. Never heard anyone speak with his authority, with his power, with his wisdom and his insight. And so this day was no different in that they heard word spread and people came and came and came. And we also have to understand that back in the first century, there were no microphones or megaphones. And so as Jesus was talking, you can imagine people started inching closer, inching closer. They started crowding in on him, pushing in on him, maybe even pushing him into the sea. Sort of like that. But this, this is what happened then. And then Jesus, as he was surrounded by a crowd of people, it says that Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing, and this detail is really important, who were washing their nets. And the reason why that last detail is important is because back in Jesus' day, a fisherman would fish at night. And so in the morning or at some point during the day that they would then clean their nets. And they would do this by stretching out their nets and then they would pick out the garbage and the things that it had accumulated overnight. Things like seaweed and sunglasses and sandals and beer bottles and that kind of stuff. And then they would allow their nets to dry and then they would roll it all up so it was ready for the next time. 
And I can imagine that when they were doing this on this day, they were cleaning their nets, listening to Jesus. Cleaning their nets, listening to Jesus. And so Jesus saw that these fishermen, they weren't using their boats. And so what Jesus does is he decides to borrow one of their boats. He basically hijacks it. And this boat belonged to a man named Simon, whose, whose name Jesus would later change to Peter. And he asks Peter this. He says, put out a little from the shore, meaning get me a little bit away from these people. Right? Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. He needed a little bit of space from them. And so when he was finally able to breathe, when he was, wasn't feeling so claustrophobic, he finished his teaching. And after he did, he made a really unusual request of Peter. And that he said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. He asked Peter to go fishing again. And there were two problems with this. And the first one we already talked about. The first one was Peter had already finished cleaning his nets. And cleaning his nets was no small endeavor. It would sort of be like if my two-year-old Mia, and you're going to see a picture of her in a moment, but do not allow her cuteness to fool you, right? She is a big personality. There she is right after a bath, right? And to give this girl a bath, to get her dressed and ready for bed is a monumental task. And it would be like her, after she's all ready to go, asking if she can eat spaghetti. Which, and that ends like it ends with most kids, like this. And if I said yes to that request, it would basically mean that I would have to go through the whole process again. No way. And I can imagine this was how Peter was feeling. Jesus asked him, hey, let down your nets again when they're, when they're totally clean. And he understood that he would have to go through all of this, clean it all again. And the guy probably just wanted to go and take a nap. But the second reason why it was problematic is because of this. Peter answered, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. Not for an hour or two, but all night and haven't caught anything. And so... These guys, Peter and these other fishermen, they weren't like your casual weekend fishermen. These guys were experts. They did this every single day and had been doing it every single day for years. And the thing is, is that back in Jesus' day, as I mentioned, they went fishing at night. And the reason was during the day, the sun would heat up the surface layer of water and so the fish would go deeper. But at night, the surface water would cool off and so these fish would come to the surface. And remember, these guys, they weren't fishing with fishing rods. They were fishing with nets. And so night was the perfect time for them to fish. And so they had been out all night fishing at the optimal time. And they had caught a big fat goose egg, nothing. And now Jesus is asking these guys, I want you to fish at the worst possible time of the day. His request made no sense at all. And not to mention, to add to this, Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. And so if I was Peter, I probably would have been thinking, Jesus, you don't know what you're saying, right? Clearly, you know nothing about fishing. And to add to it, remember that big group of people that were listening to Jesus before all of this happened? Those people were probably still on shore looking at Peter and Jesus wondering, I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder what they're doing. And if Peter set out, let down his nets, these people probably would have thought he was nuts, that he was out of his mind because nobody did that. And so in this moment, Peter had a very important question to answer. And the answer to this question, Peter's answer to this question would shape the rest of his life forever. And that question was, do you trust me? Do you trust me, Peter? And Peter's answer to me is absolutely extraordinary because he says to Jesus, but because you say so, but because you say so, not because I understand, not because I agree, not because I don't have doubts, not because my reputation won't take a hit, not because I won't have to spend all of this extra effort and energy cleaning my nets again, but because you say so, Jesus, I will let down my nets. Peter found himself at a crossroads. And his answer to that all-important question was, yes, Jesus, I trust you.
And one of the reasons why I believe that we know Peter today almost 2,000 years later is because of his response in that moment. And if we want to follow Jesus, we have to answer this same question. Do I trust him? Not just when we enter, not just when we begin a relationship with him, but over and over and over again on the journey. Because Jesus will ask us to do things that do not make sense. He'll ask us to do things that we don't agree with, that we don't understand, that we have doubts about. He'll ask us to do things, things that will cost us, maybe our reputation, our time, our energy, maybe even our money. And in those moments, we have to answer this question, do I trust him? And on this journey, as we continue to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Yes, Jesus, I trust you. What begins to build up in us is faith because following builds faith. Following Jesus builds faith. And that is the first tool that we want to look at today. And if you want an image for faith, think of a net, a fishing net. Because Jesus, in asking Peter to let his net down, that was a test of faith. And he was asking Peter, do you trust And last Sunday, I was having a conversation with a man out in the lobby who's struggling to find a job. And about a year ago, he was in a similar position and that he was looking for a job and he had applied to all of these different positions and just nothing had come up. But then he finally found a fantastic position and it was a great company in the area and we all celebrated with him because we understood how long his journey had been. And so he was slowly getting adjusted, slowly getting settled in, and he was just loving what he was doing, just really enjoying every moment of it. And then COVID hit, and then he was suddenly laid off. And so he found himself once again in the same position that he had been in for a, a, a year previous. And so in the months since he's been laid off, he's been once again applying for positions all over again. But again, nothing has happened. And as he's been waiting for God to open up that next door, to open up that next opportunity, he's been able to do some contract work. And last Sunday when we were talking, he said to me, you know what, Andrew? I would love the security of a permanent position. I would love to know that there's a regular paycheck coming in and that I have benefits. But when I look back on these past few months, God has provided everything that I need. He has given me enough. And I told this story to our people this past Wednesday at midweek. And after the service, he and his wife, he came up to me, they came up to me, and he told me, you know what, Andrew, there's a part of the story that I didn't tell you. And that during this season, God has actually challenged me to give more, to actually be more generous. And when he said that to me, I was like thinking, that makes no sense at all. Because right now, for you and your family, your finances are tighter than ever, and you can't even count on a regular paycheck, and God's challenging you to actually give more? And you know what his answer was? Even though it didn't make any sense, even though he had doubts, even though he didn't understand, his response was the same as Peter. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. And he has seen God provide in some extraordinary and some powerful ways. And what it's done as well is that it has built up his faith. And when we say yes to Jesus, what we're also able to experience, and this is also what we see in the story, is that when we say yes to him, we are able to experience everything that Jesus has for us on the other side. And this is what Peter experience. And this is what it says. When they had done so, meaning when they had let their nets down, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And now God and Jesus had more for them than just fish. But one of the things that they received when they said, you know what, we're going to let our nets down, we're going to choose to trust you, is that they caught a boatload of fish. And when we say yes to Jesus, he probably won't give us fish, but it might be a renewed, a restored relationship with a family member or a friend. It might be hope or strength to get through, to move through a storm. 
It might be experiencing greater freedom and healing in an area of our life. But whatever it is, when we say yes to Jesus, we are able to experience more of what he has for us, more of his beauty, more of his love, more of his mercy and grace. And we are able to live in a greater way, more of the life that he has created us to live. And so the question that I wanna ask all of us here is in what area of our life is Jesus challenging you? What, what, in what area of your life is Jesus challenging you to let down your nets? In what area of your life is Jesus asking you, will you trust me? It might be in the area of your future, maybe finances. It could be a relationship. Maybe it might be in a situation with one of your children. But what is that area for you? And when we continue on in the story, is that now they had all of this fish, tons and tons of fish. And Luke writes, when Simon Peter saw this, when he saw all this fish, right, all of it, right, and this represented money for them, right, boatloads, literally boatloads of money, right, what do you think their response was? What would your response have been if this incredible thing, this really supernatural thing happened to you, right? And maybe our response would have been, woohoo, we don't have to work for the rest of the year. We struck it rich. Someone go buy a refrigerator truck. But that wasn't his response and that wasn't their response. Because for Peter, his focus shifted and his focus wasn't on the fish. It wasn't on what he had just received, but it actually shifted to something else. And it says, that, it says that Peter, he fell at Jesus's feet and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And we have to remember that Peter had been hanging out with Jesus now for a couple of hours, but it wasn't until he actually took that step and he let down his nets and he said, I trust you, Jesus, that his eyes were open to the reality of who Jesus was. And in this moment, he saw that Jesus wasn't some rabbi. He wasn't just another teacher, but rather he was Lord. He was the son of God. And when we come to better understand, when we are able to more clearly see Jesus, what ends up happening is that we come to be able to more clearly see ourselves. And this is what we see here. And that Peter not only had his eyes open to who Jesus was, but he also had his eyes open to who he was, that he was a sinful, that he was a broken person. Because what happens when we follow Jesus is that following reveals identity. And that is the second tool that we want to talk about today. And if you want to relate it, sort of, sort of like a practical tool, think of a flashlight. Because one of the purposes of a flashlight is to reveal, to take things that are in the darkness and to bring them out into the light. And this is what happened with Peter, right? He had an epiphany as to who Jesus is and to who he was. And when he figured this out, and when he understood this, his response to Jesus was, get away from me, Lord, go away from me. Because Peter's assumption was that Jesus being God wouldn't want to have anything to do with a person like him, a person who was sinful, a person who was broken. And as I was thinking about this, the unfortunate thing is, is that so many of us, maybe all of us, including myself, at some point in our lives have believed this, that Jesus wouldn't want to have anything to do with us because of the mistakes that we've made, because of the messes that we have created, not only in our lives, but also in the lives of the people around us. But this is what's so beautiful about Jesus, because Peter's trying to be like, no, 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 get away from me. But Jesus' response to Peter wasn't to push him away, but rather to draw him in. Jesus' response to Peter wasn't get away from me, but rather, Peter, I want you to follow me. Because recognizing our brokenness and our sinfulness doesn't disqualify us from following Jesus. It's actually a prerequisite. And the thing with Jesus' invitations that we see, not only in the scriptures, but when I look at my own personal life and really all throughout history is that the invitation that Jesus extends to us isn't change your life and then you can come and follow me, but rather it is follow me and I will change your life. 
And a few weeks ago, I was speaking with a man who has stage four cancer. And like every single one of us, this man has made mistakes in his life. And one of the mistakes that he made was that when his children were growing up, he just wasn't present for them because he was off doing his own thing. And so he deeply hurt his children. And, but in the past several years, he started coming to Kensington. He started hearing about this Jesus person. And then he started seeing Jesus in the life of his son and his family. And this same son who he so deeply hurt when he was a child was the one that when his health began to decline, this son is the one who invited him into his home to come and live with him. And he and his family have taken him to every single appointment, every single treatment, and they have loved him and showed him such amazing kindness and love. And when we were sitting down talking, he said to me, you know, I have made so many mistakes in my life. I've hurt so many people. I've hurt my ex-wife, I've hurt my children. And he recognized his brokenness. And then with tears streaming down his face, he looked at me and he said, do you ever think Jesus could accept someone like me? And when he said that, my heart broke for him, that he had to question that, that he would question that, that he would believe that Jesus would say to him, mm -mm, you're too messed up for me to even wanna have anything to do with you. But when I was thinking about his question, there was a joy that also rose up in me because I then had the privilege to tell him, that's why it's called good news. That's why it's called good news because our relationship with Jesus isn't based on what we've done because if it was, we'd be up a creek, but it's based upon what he has done. And when we come to him in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, with all of our mistakes and with all of our messes, he doesn't say, get away from me. But rather he says, come follow me and I will transform your life. And that's what we see with Peter. Because in this moment, Peter recognized that he was a sinful man. But if we know anything about the story of Peter, as Peter continued to journey with Jesus, he recognized that wasn't all he was. Because his identity in Jesus was yes, that he was sinful, that he was broken. But at the same time, what Jesus did was he changed his life and he showed him that who you are, Peter, is that you are a son of God. And because you are the son of God, a son of God, you have more value, you have more worth, you are more loved than you could ever understand or imagine. And what I wanna do with you, Peter, is I wanna use you to, to change the world. And the truth is, that's exactly who you are and that's exactly who I am as well. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And we are more loved, we are more valued than we could ever understand. And he wants to use you and me to change this world. And when we follow him, we understand this in a greater way because following reveals identity. And so following builds faith, Following reveals identity. And the last thing following does, it actually produces open-handedness. And if we want to think of a tool for this, it's that of a funnel. I'm gonna show you why in a moment. And this is what he says at the very end of the passage. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Because remember, now Peter knew, the person who is in front of me is God in the flesh. If anyone was in front of God in the flesh, we would have been freaked out as well. So Jesus starts off by saying, don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, what you will do is you will fish for people. Forget the fishing for the fish, you're gonna fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And so in saying this, what Jesus was doing was that he was telling Peter, this is your mission in life. This is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I want you to fish for people. And what he was telling Peter to do was that, you know, this extraordinary grace, this mercy, this love, this forgiveness that you have experienced in your life, I want you to go out and I want you to share this with others so that they would be able to experience the same thing. Just as I have invited you into this journey with me, I want you to invite other people into this same journey. And he was telling Peter, this gift that you have been given, don't just hold it to yourself, but rather live in this way and share it with the people and share it with the world 
around you. Because the way that God has created us to be as human beings is that he has created us to be not as sponges, but rather as funnels. Because the thing that we know about sponges is that sponges soak up everything that comes into contact with it, all liquid, right? And so when you pour liquid on it, it doesn't share, it's inherently selfish. And so you pour a little bit, you pour some water on it and nothing gets through, it soaks it all up. And unless we wring it out, that water just stays there. And water that just stays there becomes stale and stagnant and lifeless. And that's exactly what happens with us. That when God gives us things, incredible gifts, if we just hold on to it, what happens to those gifts is that they became stale and stagnant and lifeless. But this is not what we were created to be. This is what we were created to be. Because when we think about a funnel, a funnel cannot keep things to itself. Because it wasn't designed to do that. It was designed to share. And so when you pour something, when you give something to a funnel, it goes right through. And it shares with the things around it. And this is the way that God has created us to be. Not just to hold on to things, but rather to live this open-handed life. And we're going to see this in a story of a man named Tony Taramina, who's a part of our community and that someone chose to be a funnel for him and to share and to invite him into a journey with Jesus. And we're gonna see that that is what he has devoted his life to doing as well. And as we're watching this video, we're also going to be receiving our offering. And of course, what we have been doing during this season is that we have not been passing around a bag for obvious reasons, but there are still ways that we can continue to give. And all of them are listed right there. We can text the word Kensington to 77977. We can give via the app as well as we can give via our website as well. And if you're somebody who likes to physically drop their offering in, we also have offering buckets at every single exit. And so let's check out this video together. My name is uh, Tony Teramina. Uh, I've been a carpenter for most of my life. A carpenter, a lot of people think, is somebody that just works with wood. But actually, the definition of a carpenter is a craftsman, which means they work with many different things um, in different fields. It could be stone, it could be wood, it could be glass, metal, bricks, tile, whatever that means. So I, am, I involve my hands in a lot of things. That's just my personality. I just like to try new things all the time. Right around early 2000 is when uh, I kind of realized I needed to make some changes in my life. Destructive life that I had in the past. I wanted to make changes in that. I didn't want to live that way anymore. Pretty much just getting some nudges to check out churches, you know, and see where that leads me. A young man that was working with me at the time, he was a good carpenter. He did the task that I gave him to do. Um, he was very confident with his work. But at lunchtime, when we'd have lunch together, he would uh, pray over his meal. He'd open up his Bible, and I just watched him and say anything more about it. Uh, he shared with me the church that he was going to, which was Kensington. I would say within about six months, I had a job that I needed to run down 19 Mile Road all the way out to Van Dyke from the Bloomfield area. I head down that way, I get to the supplier, I pick up the materials, I get back to the job site, it was the wrong material. I had run all the way back down 19 Mile Road, I went past Kensington Church that day six times, and I looked over and I'm going, there's a reason for that. So that's when I stepped into Kensington Church that following Sunday. Beginning of my journey, um, Kensington had a, a recovery program called CR, and I said, well, let's check this out. So the first time I walked in there, I was really uncomfortable. It's kind of like, I was just kind of like, I didn't sing, I didn't say anything. I pretty much just kind of crossed my arm and I sat there. But they kept telling me, he says, don't just make this a one-time thing. Just keep coming back and see how it is. And within, like they say, the six times, probably it was less than that, I had uh, realized this is where I needed to be. Hearing the teaching, as well as the open share tables, and then from there, stepping into a 12-step program. Um, at first, I'm going, wow, that takes an awful lot of time. 26 weeks of this? 
put hours there and I committed to it every single week. And when it was all done, I had all new brothers. Jesus was taught me a lot of patience about a lot of things with family, with myself, um, humbling myself a lot. Now, I still lived in this world and there's still things that kind of tempted me and there's still things that kind of distracted me from doing the right things all the time. I mean, yes, we stumble, um, but I know the, Jesus is there to help me pick me back up and continue on my journey. Once I realized that Jesus was definitely gonna be something that I can trust, somebody that I can trust, um, I really opened my heart up to him. Whatever he wanted me to do, wherever he wanted me to go, I was willing to do it. The student ministry, I don't know, I'm actually not even sure how I stepped into that, but there was an invitation to come in and work with the setup and teardown. All of a sudden, you know, with all that time frame of setting up and tearing down, I get invited to go on one of the mission trips with Justin Warrens. He said, Tony, why don't you come and do this? He says, you're a carpenter, right? He says, we're gonna go work on these homes. I said, all right, I'm up for it. In these mission trips, the leader asked us questions before we went off to small group in the session. It says, hey, what engages you with God and what disengages you with God? So the session ended, we go off into small groups. Uh, we're all talking as a group. Um, the question of engaging with God kind of got passed around in there and you know, it was a very similar answer with everybody. When it came to the question of what disengages you guys, the girls had their story, but the guys pretty much commonly said it was the distraction of girls. And I told them, I says, why don't we stick around after the girls leave and we'll talk a little bit deeper. From there, we got into some deep conversations about relationships, um, what it looks like to befriend a, a, a girl, a woman. Um, we talked about pornography. We talked about all these things in their, in their lives that I've already dealt with in my entire life. I'd like to open up the Bible and really get into some scripture with these kids. Because everything that we know, truthfully, should come from there. There's some wisdom in there that uh, we all need to have. I want them to know that they're valued. No matter where they are, that they are a valued person. So I think a lot of them don't feel that way. That they have something to give. They have somebody that loves them. And it's not just a human love, it's a godly love, a heavenly love. That's what I wanted to know. I stepped into Edge a little bit more deeper, um, got into being a small group leader. Those young men that I've spent some time with, if, if they look back 20 years from now and can say the same thing I can say about my mentorship and say that was needed in my life, that's all it is. That's all it is. If I, let, if I lead them to the truth of what God tells us, amen. That's all I need. You know, I look at that whole armor of God thing as part of my toolbox as well, you know. But to put it in more of a simpler term, I know scripture is my biggest tool. I know when I strap on my tool belt, you know, there are simple tools. My hammer, I call that a simple tool. If I had to make a comparison that to what I have, spiritual, spiritual tools, same thing. It's kind of like I have, all tools are important. Some are more important than others. God's word is always important to us. That is something that we should tattoo on our hearts because the fact that every word in that book is God breathed. And if we can understand that and know that is the truth, it'll make the project, whatever storm you're going through, much more easier. I love his story. And in Tony's story, we see every single one of these tools that we talked about today. And that when he walked into this building for the first time, and that when he walked into CR, and that when he said yes to being a part of the student ministry here, he exercised trust. And Jesus saying, will you cast down your net? And he was like, yes, I will. And as he continued to journey with Jesus, what he revealed to him was who he was in a greater way that he was this powerful leader and he also had this beautiful heart that God had given him for the next generation. And all along the way, 
what he chose to do was he chose to live like this. Not just simply holding on to what God had given him just for his own benefit, but he shared it with the people around him, especially those boys, those, those boys who were students in the student ministry. And their lives were changed as well. And he invited them into the same journey that he was on. And the thing is, is that right now, one of the ways that we can choose to live like a funnel, like that, and one of the things that we can invite people into are groups. And groups are actually kicking off this week and really for the rest of this month. And it's a phenomenal place for us to invite people into to not only find community, but also be introduced to Jesus. Whether it's Alpha, Bible Basics, uh, Financial Peace, Insights, which is a women's Bible study, or one of our small groups. Great, great places. And so if you want to learn more, if you want to jump in or invite somebody to jump in, if you're in the building, I want to invite you just to drop by one of our tables. They're all out in the lobby. Or if you want to check it out another time or if you're watching via stream, you can go to our app and you can go to our website and all the information is there as well. But what I want to do to close is I want to ask all of us just two questions. And the first question is, is that in what area of your life is Jesus asking you to let down your nets? In what area of your life is Jesus asking you, will you trust me? And the second question then is, is how is Jesus asking you to live like a funnel this week with the resources and the gifts that God has given you? How is he asking you to share them with the people around you? Whether they be coworkers, family members, friends, neighbors, what would it look like for you and us to live like this. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that on this journey, which is many times it has its challenges, especially during this season, that you give us all the tools that we need, whether it's a net or a flashlight or a funnel or anything else, Lord. You equip us, Lord, for this life that you have asked us to live and this journey that you invite us into. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are not alone. And we pray, Lord, that this week, that you would show us how we can take that step of faith, Lord, that you are asking us to take. And Lord, also, that how we can live an open-handed life and truly share what you have given us to bless and so that ultimately that you can bless and you can transform the world around us as well. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things. In your name, amen. We're going to sing one more song together. I want to invite you all, all who are able to stand and stand as we sing this out. Alina is going to lead us in her favorite song. I'm just joking with her. This isn't her favorite song. No. <laughs> but I ask her to sing this song almost every time she's here. It's a song called Waymaker. And so, yeah, see? Yeah, let's give it up for Alina. Sing this one out with us. Here we go. Amen. Hallelujah. Who's going to worship with me? Amen. Feel free to just raise your hands and worship the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Oh, a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Worshippers, I worship you.
What a great way to end our day, that to know that whatever we are facing right now, whatever this week has for us, that God is a way maker, that he will make a way light in the darkness. And so that we would leave understanding that truth, but at the same time, believing that truth as well. And so as we go, just a couple of reminders that I want to just let you all know about. If you have children, fifth grade and younger, this coming Wednesday evening, we have an event where we're gonna be getting together at a local park and just hanging out, connecting. Also, there's gonna be a time of singing as well and teaching, so we'd love for you to join us. Just go to our website and all the information is there or go to our app as well. And also, uh, don't forget, drop by if you're in the building drop by um, with all of our small groups are out there, all of our groups are out there. If you would like to jump in or invite somebody else to jump in as well. But thank you everyone for being here. So grateful for you all. Have a great rest of your weekend.